Well, good morning, everyone. I hope you're doing well this morning. For those of you I don't know, my name's Todd, and uh, I'm the lead pastor here. I'm really glad that you are here worshiping with us. How many of you really enjoyed that extra hour of sleep last night? Wasn't that awesome? That is awesome. When I get to heaven, I'm going to ask God why that can't happen every single week, because that would be great for people who are volunteers or who are part of a church staff. It would be awesome to have that every single week, um, just to have that little extra hour sleep, especially if your football team played late last night, right? Yeah. So anyway, I'm so thankful for what um, Cynthia just read, uh, the the verse that she picked out and that God led her to uh, this week, because uh, I want to pray here for a moment, and I I just feel like God's uh, telling me to lead us um, to pray uh, for three things that just are on my heart and and on my mind. First and foremost is the continued recovery uh, that we all are, to a certain extent, experiencing from Hurricane Matthew. It's been a month almost. I can't believe that. And in so many respects, um, like Hilton Head has really like done well over the last month recovering. Am I right? Um, and in a few other respects, it's like, man, this is taking forever, right? You know, it's, it's just weird like that. And so I'm going to ask you first and foremost to pray for our, our first responders, for those who are here from out of town, you know, those are, who are in town, for those people who are helping, because there's still a lot going on. And so let's be praying for the recovery. And I know that there are a few of you who are still hurting. And um, I, I want to encourage you to continue to go on the front page of our website and uh, fill out that form. If you're in need uh, of, of something, debris removal, you know, whatever the case may be, please let us know. And if we can't help you directly, we'll, we'll do our best to find uh, help. Um, and if you can help out in any way, there's a way to do that as well on the front page of our website. So let's pray for the Hurricane Matthew recovery. Um, secondly, I'm going to ask you to pray for our students. Um, normally, we've got like 30 students right up here in these front couple rows. And uh, we don't today because they're on a retreat and they're up in North Carolina at a camp called Awanata. And uh, if you've ever been up there, Awanata Valley is an amazing place. Um, when I was in high, middle school and high school, um, my youth pastor, Jeff Cranston, who's uh, the pastor of Low Country Community Church that helped get us started, he used to take us up to Awanata Valley. And it was at that same camp. And as Todd Cooper, our youth pastor, tells me, Probably the same buildings that still exist today, um, which that was a long time ago, okay? Uh, that um, God really worked on my heart, and um, I, I reaffirmed my faith in, in Jesus there, and I was called into the ministry there. And so we have students right now that are actually probably getting ready to head back because they're due here about 4 o'clock. But over the past 48 hours, um, God's done some amazing work in their life. And I can't wait to hear the stories, but let's pray for them. Because when they get back is when things go bad, right? And so let's be praying for them. And so then the last thing I want to pray for, and this is where the verse that Cynthia read, I think really comes in, is that we have a, we have a pretty important election um, on Tuesday, don't we? You guys know that election day is Tuesday? Okay. So I, there weren't enough ads on TV. So I thought I would just mention it, that there is an election on Tuesday. And so um, I want to share just a few thoughts before we pray about that. Um, if you've been here for any length of time, you know that I will never be political. Uh, I will never endorse, nor will I support a candidate, and I probably will never tell you who I vote for, okay? So, um, and there's reason for that, and I have a lot of people that ask me why I don't do that. Two reasons. Number one, I grew up in an environment where every single week the pastor would stand on a stage like this, and he'd read a verse from the Bible, and then he would get political for half an hour. And that's, I don't believe my job. My job is to preach the word 
of God and the gospel message, and that's it, all right? And so if that happens to intersect with issues that are going on, we'll talk about it, but I, I won't endorse that. The other reason is, is because the primary purpose of the church is the spread of the gospel message. And you will never hear me endorse a political side or political candidate or what, whatever the case may be, because that is not my primary purpose, nor is it the primary purpose of this church. Having said that, I want to encourage you to go vote. I want to encourage you to get out there and let your voice be heard in this election, okay? Uh, I would not be doing my job if I didn't encourage you to do that. And also, if your person or party or like, you know, what you believe is right doesn't win, I want to encourage you on this. The world will not come to an end on Wednesday morning, okay? All right? We have to trust that no matter what happens, that God is still in control, okay? And I want you to hear that. I believe that. It's truth that no matter what happens this week, God is still in control. He is sovereign, not our government, not a president, not our institutions. He is the one who is sovereign, okay? So I want to remind you of that this week as you head to the polls, okay? So let's pray for our election. Let's pray for our students, and uh, let's pray for our continued recovery, and then we'll dive into today's message. So would you join me in a word of prayer? Father God, thank you so much for the opportunity that we have as your people, your church, to come to you humbly right now. And I just pray, Father, that you would be with those who are in this room um, who have been um, devastated or negatively uh, affected by this hurricane. Over these past few weeks, uh, many of our lives have been turned upside down. God, you've spared many of us, um, but God, some of us who are in this room today are, are, are maybe um, looking for, for a place to stay or looking for um, what is next. And God, I pray that you would be the great provider to each and every person that is in this room today. God, I pray that you would love on them and that you would encourage them. God, I pray that you would challenge us to continue to be a part that we're in this for the long haul. It's not a short-term recovery. God, I thank you for, for uh, those who are helping. All the churches coming together and being a part, holding hands, arm in arm, hand in hand, working together to help people and for the cause of the gospel message. And God, I pray that you would just uh, be with our students who are up in North Carolina, probably heading back pretty soon. God, I pray that you would give them traveling safety. God, I pray for the decisions that were made, if there were decisions made, to accept you as, your, as their Savior. God, I pray that you would anchor them to your word and to their church. God, and I pray that you would be with those who, who had recommitments, God. I pray that you would just galvanize those. I thank you for Todd Cooper and Sammy Cooper who lead our student ministry, and I pray your blessing on them. And finally, God, I pray that your will be done with our election. God, we, our desire is, is for your words, values, your values to be represented. But God, I pray that you would be the God of peace and order in our country. And God, I pray that you would use uh, times good and bad in our country, um, times where we're uh, sorrowful and times where we're, we're uh, happy and joyful, God, uh, to further your kingdom and for the spread of your gospel message, the good news of you, God. And I pray that you would be the God of order. And we recognize that you're sovereign and you're in control. God, I pray that you would help us to play a part 
in what goes on. And I pray that you would be with us now as we turn to your word to find out about this amazing man by the name of Moses. May you be with us today in Jesus' name, I pray. Amen. Amen. If you have your Bibles, you can turn to Hebrews chapter 11. Hebrews chapter 11. So if you haven't been with us uh, for for a while, because I realize these past few weeks have been so just kind of unsettling that it's possible that, um, you know, a lot of you have been removing debris on Sundays trying to help your neighbors and that sort of thing. So it's possible that some of you haven't been here. Just to give you a brief kind of recap, um, we had been in a series that was supposed to last September and October, and we were supposed to be in a new series starting today. Well, um, Hurricane Matthew, as it did for most of us, uh, decided to turn our world upside down. And uh, so we uh, punted on the whole uh, series that we were going to do for November. And I really felt like God was telling us to continue to move through Hebrews chapter 11 and to finish things up. And so today we're going to kind of get back to, we took a little bit of a break, even though I tied it in a little bit and Ike a few weeks ago tied it in. We had communion last week and I want to encourage you to go out there and uh, catch up by listening to the podcast and finding out a little bit more about what it means to live life without a net, fully trusting that God is the one who's in charge and that he is the one that can provide every necessity of life throughout our lives. And we're, we're learning that from Hebrews chapter 11, that's traditionally called the faith chapter. And today we come to a man by the name of Moses. And I think we're going to learn something really interesting from the first part of his life. So let's take a look at that here in a few moments. But before we do that, um, I, I don't know about you. I grew up in a home. I, I don't know what kind of house you grew up in, but I grew up in a home where my mom, uh, mom passed away almost coming up on two years ago, uh, um, uh, this coming uh, March. Uh, and my dad, um, they were excellent parents. And um, they, were, they were great parents. They weren't perfect parents, but they were great parents. So, Dad, if you're listening to this podcast, uh, you know, Mom, if you get a glimpse of what's going on here, you guys were nearly perfect parents, okay? So I just said that out loud, and maybe that'll help me with some things. Anyway, but uh, Mom and Dad were great parents. They really did, did a, I think, a, a fantastic job um, of really teaching us the Word of God and, and the values that come from the Bible. But there was one thing that was like kind of primary in my house, uh, particularly with my dad. He came from poverty and uh, really kind of was like, you know, made it on his own kind of thing and kind of that typical like great, you know, American success story in our free market enterprise system here in America. And um, so his deal was, is he wanted his kids to understand that if you want to have some kind of success in life, do you have to work hard for that success in life? And that nothing came to Todd and Katie Cullen, that's my little sister, um, by virtue of the fact that we were born into this family, which was kind of ironic because he didn't have much anyway. So like, you know, okay, that's great. Like he taught us the value of working hard and earning a dollar and earning a living. And that was something that he instilled in, in my life and, and in Katie's life. But, you know, I'm his son and I was the firstborn. So I got it a little more directly, if you know what I'm talking about. You know what I mean? And so, like, when I was, before it was legal in the state of Georgia to work, I worked. All right? I mowed lawns. In fact, I remember I, I mowed uh, my dad's boss's lawn. And I remember one particular day, I decided that there was this whole area that I wasn't going to do because the grass was like about that long. And I just decided I wouldn't do it. And boy, did I hear about that, man. Because I think it was his boss and he heard about it. So, you know, that's probably how that worked out. I worked at a golf course. I, I delivered stuff in Atlanta. Um, I worked hard, um, like, 
just all throughout high school, worked at Eddie Bauer, if you remember Eddie Bauer, um, worked in, in retail. I, I did just about anything because my dad instilled this idea that you work hard for what you earn, that in life, you're not going to get a free handout. I, I read a quote the other day that kind of capsulized my dad's philosophy to life, and it's this, the best place to find a helping hand is at the end of your own arm. Isn't that awesome? <laughs> that kind of summarized my dad's approach to life, and I'm thankful to him for that. Um, his favorite commercial on TV, if you remember, some of you remember, if you're under my age, you probably won't remember this. This is totally going to date me, and I'm okay with that. But there was an ad on TV back in the 80s, 1980s, with, a, with an actor by the name of John Houseman. And John Houseman was a British actor, and they showed him at like this really fancy, probably you know, English restaurant, and, and he was having tea. And in his thick British accent, he explains why his investment company, Smith Barney, was the best one out there. And some of you will remember the phrase that he used became very popular in America. He said, they make money the old-fashioned way. You can finish it with me. They earn it. Awesome. Yeah, there we go. They earn it, he said. I loved that commercial. And some of you who are under 30 years old, you're like, what in the world is he talking about? I'm cool with that. I'm right with that. And, and you know, what, what my dad did was instill in me this idea that there is nothing in life that I'm entitled to have just because of the family that I was born into, the socioeconomic situation that I was born into, the demographic that I was born into, the area of the country that I was born into, and even as an American citizen, he taught me the value that hard work wins. And I'm so thankful for that. And I'm grateful for that. And, and I'm, this might sound like I'm getting political for, for a few moments, but um, what we're going to talk about today really has to do with God's word and the story we're going to look at today. Part of the reason I'm thankful for that is because he developed in me an attitude of, of resisting entitlements. Yet, we all have a sin nature. And even though I grew up in this home where like, we resisted entitlements and that was taught and hard work was the, the top priority and this is what you did in the Cullen household and all this stuff, there were times and have been times and are times in my life that I want what I think I deserve just because of who I am. Are you with me? Like There are times that like, I just think I'm deserving of this thing or this idea and it especially worked itself out as I became a teenager in terms of freedom. And my dad and mom, they both taught me that like freedom even is earned. And wealth is earned. And, and stability is earned. But even so, I, I, I've struggled with this in my life, thinking that I'm deserving of something. And the thing that I want to focus on today in terms of what it means to live with out a net in our life, trusting God for everything, is, is that in, in our society, it's really easy for you and I, for us as, as Americans, but just as humans, to live with the sense of we're entitled to certain things. And I want you to see today that I think what God's word says is that just by our birth or where we're born or who we're born to and all that kind of thing, or even what company we work for, what school we go to, or where we live, that we're not entitled to anything, however, because we are children of God. We are entitled to some great spiritual blessings that we often miss out on because we're searching for the wrong thing. I think the story we're going to take a look at today shows us that there is something greater that you and I can search for. 
There's something so much more magnificent that we can find from God, our Father, our adopted Father. I want you to take a look today at Hebrews chapter 11. Now, before, again, before we dive in, I want to give some definition to this word entitlement because I realize that for some of you, this is like, oh boy, he is on like thin ice with me right now. I'm going to be emailing him later. I'm cool with that. That's fine. All right, because I want to give some definition and bring some structure to this because I'm not making a political statement. This is just life. Webster defines the word entitlement this way. The condition of having a right to have or to do, there's the freedom part, or to get something. All right, I want you to hear that again. The condition of having a right to have or to do or to get something. Uh, The second one, the feeling or belief that you deserve to be given something such as a special privilege, all right? That's entitlement. And then the last one is a type of financial help provided by the government for for members of a a particular group. Okay, all right, that last one is getting a little political, and here's what I want to say about that. Um, Sidebar, soapbox, just for a second. Um, I'm not, like, I'm not unsensitive or or, uh, disinsensitized to um, the fact that there are people around us, and we're seeing it even in a greater kind of close-up, focused way with Hurricane Matthew, that there are people that are hurting. And that as, as Americans and citizens and, um, and people who live you know, in our community, that there are certain things that our government provides for us. And I think that's great. Look, I, I'm not going to tell FEMA when they show up in my front, you know, front yard to not take my debris because I'm not an entitlement guy. I'm not going to do that, okay? All right? Like I pay taxes, that's cool. I'm not going to deny a child tax credit. That's the closest thing I can get to my kids bringing in income, okay? I'm not going to deny those things, all right? This is not what I'm talking about. But I want you to hear this, sidebar and soapbox. If the church for the last century had been the church, had been the New Testament church that Jesus demonstrated, and that the whole rest of the New Testament had told us, we wouldn't have to rely on the government to provide for those who are in need, because that's our job. And we have abdicated our responsibility, so somebody had to pick it up, right? So I'm not mad at the federal government because of entitlements. I just, I'm, I'm kind of irritated that we as the church haven't stood strong and done those things that I see you all doing now during this time, okay? So that's just, all right, soapbox speech over, okay? Like, but that does like represent, I use that just as an illustration to show you that we as people, because of our, our nature and because of the things that we may want and the things that we don't do, somebody has to fill that need. And I want it in our community for us to play a small part in fulfilling that need here. Are you with me, church? We can be a part of that solution. Okay, now back to the message and entitlements. Take a look at Hebrews chapter 11. We're going to be taking a look at uh, several different verses here uh, in Hebrews chapter 11. We're going to skip to verse 23. Take a look at this. By faith, Moses, when he was born, was hidden for three months by his parents. Because they saw that the child was beautiful, and they were not afraid of the king's edict. By faith, Moses, when he was grown up, what is that next word? Refused. He refused to be called the son of Pharaoh, who is the king, essentially, of Egypt, of his daughter. 
choosing, verse 25, choosing rather to be, say that next word with me, mistreated, with the people of God, rather than to enjoy the fleeting pleasures of sin, he considered the reproach of Christ greater, greater wealth than the treasures of Egypt. For he was looking for that reward. It says the reward. I'm emphasizing it with saying that reward. And by faith he left Egypt and being afraid, uh, not being afraid of the anger of the king, for he endured as seeing him who is invisible. By faith he kept the Passover and sprinkled the blood so that the destroyer of the firstborn might not touch them. More on that next week as we talk about the Exodus and, and how, how that relates to life without a net. I, I want to f- drill down and kind of give focus to this idea that Moses, who was hidden in some reeds in a basket and sent down the Nile River and then adopted by by the royal family of Egypt, when he grew up, chose to refuse any right that he had as part of the adopted son of the royal family. Check it out in Exodus. Turn over to Exodus chapter uh, 1, 2 here. I'm sorry, 2. Check this out. This is Moses. Um, This is the story that Hebrews 11 refers to, verse 11 of Exodus chapter 2. One day when Moses had grown up, he went out to his people and looked on their burdens. They were being, they were enslaved and they they were being brutalized by the Egyptian. And he saw an Egyptian beating a Hebrew, one of his people. He looked this way and that and seeing no one, he struck down the Egyptian and hid him in the sand. When he went out, You see that? He went out. He went out twice in verse 11 and in verse 13. When he went out the next day, behold, the two Hebrews were struggling. There's a lot of strife going on in Egypt right now. They were struggling together. And he said to the man in the wrong, why do you strike your companion? And the man answered in verse 14, who made you a prince or a judge over us? Do you mean to kill me as you killed that Egyptian? Then Moses was afraid and thought, surely This thing is known. The press has found out about the fact that I murdered that Egyptian that was beating up someone, uh, Hebrew. And he fled from Pharaoh and stayed in the land of Midian and sat down by the well. Now, the the point that I want to draw out, the focal point that I want to get to today, is that Moses was commended in his faith for refusing to take any advantage of any entitlement that he actually deserved by being a part of the royal family. They had adopted him as their own. And at any point in time, he could have used that for his gain. And he didn't. Exodus says he went out to be with his people. It says again that he went out to talk to his people. He opened the gate or the door or whatever it was of the royal household and left entitlement behind him. He left it in the rearview mirror heading out to be with the people of his heritage. And he lived with those people. And he existed with those people. And as we're going to see next week, he provided in an amazing way through God salvation, deliverance for those people. Yet you and I think because of who we are, because of our title, because of, hey, let's just face it, where we live, 
that we're entitled to certain things, right? Wow. We have to be careful. We have to be careful. A few weeks ago, I asked my son if I could. I'm at the point now where my kids are getting old enough that if I talk about them in church on Sunday, I get their permission, okay? So anytime you hear the story, like, I've asked their permission. I learned that the hard way a few years ago. So anyway, anyway, I asked Sean if I could share this story because a few weeks ago on Wednesday night, we have Wednesday night roots, which is a time uh, for adults. If you want to come and be a part of it, you can come over here and we set some tables up over here. You can bring dinner in at 6.30 at 7 o'clock. We study um, what we are doing here on Sunday morning. We go a little bit deeper. And uh, Wednesday night roots, I'd love for you guys to be there, be a part of that. You can just, you know, just show up. You don't have to register or anything. All right, so, um, but at the same time, our students, middle school and high school, they meet in backstage right back here. It's called The Well, and they have a great time. Well, Sean was hanging out with me, and he was hanging out in the back where all of his friends are, um, but he's not old enough yet to be in, uh, in our student ministry called The Well. And, and so he, um, he, but I could tell he didn't want to leave one night. And, and instead of, like, you know, just, like, ignoring the thing, I, I decided, hey, I said, hey, you got to go you got to go back and you got to be on that side of the building because that's where fourth graders are. And, and so I sat him down and I, I, we had a conversation about it. And I could tell he was struggling with this. He wasn't being um, ugly or disrespectful, but he was struggling with why he couldn't be in youth group. And I said, buddy, you can't be in youth group because you're in the fourth grade. And, and youth group starts in the sixth grade. The well starts in the sixth grade. And he goes, but dad, you're the pastor. You can make this happen. Entitlement, man, we get it early, don't we? Woo, and I said, that's exactly the reason we can't. And I don't know if he understands that or not. I, you know, he may or may not. Um, but you know what? It is so easy for us to slip to a place where we inspect our lives and we try to think of all the things that we can take advantage of in our lives. And there are so many lessons in that. There's, there are horizontal lessons that we can learn about how we interact and treat each other, right? I mean, if we take advantage of, of certain entitlements, that means that it, it could mean that other people are, are, are negatively affected. It's just wrong. It's just wrong. Using our advantage or our pedigree or the things that like we think that we are owed for our gain and someone else's loss is, is just not right. If, you're, if we're a Christ follower, we shouldn't be involved in that. But I think there's a greater lesson we can learn from the life of Moses and about his faith here. And that's this. When you and I are seeking our entitlements, when we are seeking out what we are owed, then we lose our, our purpose in our faith. You see, we, we shouldn't be even focused on like what we're owed by who we are, what family we're born into, or what part of the country, or what demographic, or what school we go to, or whatever the case may be. We, we as people, if we're, if we're God followers, if we're Christ followers, we, we ought to be people that are finding our faith in him and in him alone. Because Moses, when he had the opportunity, he denied every right that he could have used for selfish gain. And in doing so, his faith was made purposeful. Because it was in those times 
when he was being refined and trying to decide whether or not he should take advantage of this right or that right or this, um, you know, this entitlement or that entitlement or this thing that he felt like he was owed by who he was and what household he lived under. It was in those times that God revealed to someone who is the least likely candidate, as I've preached before, to be a leader of a whole nation of people. And all of a sudden, his faith, life without a net, became incredibly focused and purposeful. See, our faith becomes purposeful when we reject worldly entitlements because we then can make room for spiritual sacrifices and spiritual servanthood. There are so many of you that are denying your own rights right now to help your neighbors and to help other people in your church. And I'm so excited. And I think God smiles on that. And in those moments, your faith becomes incredibly focused and intentional and purposeful, just like Moses' were. And when we throw off, when we reject those entitlements that the world says that we can take advantage of, all of a sudden we're set up to receive the real entitlements that as Christ followers we should be taking advantage of. Because guess what? If you're here today and you believe in Jesus as your Savior, you were chosen by him. 1 Peter 2.21 says this. For to this you have been called, because Christ also suffered for you, leaving you an example so that you might follow his steps. You see, he wants us to deny those worldly entitlements that like we think we're owed, so that we can then have room in our lives to follow him in that way of, of suffering. Ephesians 1.11 says, in him you and I have obtained an inheritance, having been predestined according to the purpose of him who works all things according to the counsel of his will. And lastly, John 15, 16 says this, you did not choose me, but I chose you. And I appointed you, he says. I appointed you that you should go and bear fruit and your fruit should abide so that whatever you ask the Father in my name, he may give it to you. A lot of people think that in church work and in ministry life, that guys like myself or Summer or Cynthia or Todd Cooper, those of us who are on staff with the church, there's like some kind of special thing for us. There's not. There's just not. You all, we all together are children of the king. We're all in the same family together. And, and we all um, have the, the rights and the responsibilities if we are Christ followers. We have both the right and the responsibilities to be followers of Jesus and follow in that example that he set up for us. But if we're following and seeking out all these entitlements, we're, we're really missing it. We're really putting our faith and our trust in those things. And I think they may work themselves out in much more subtle ways than just the ways that are really apparent. They work themselves out, these entitlements do, in how we treat others. What advantages we may kind of, you know, bend our values to take advantage of. How we might, you know, cheat the system just a little bit to get a little extra. And when we do that, we lose the fact that our faith is in him.
alone. It's the reminder I want you to have today. It's a reminder that I want you to have this week as so much is going to happen is that life without a net means denying or rejecting what you are owed or what you think you're owed to have this attitude of being a child of God, entitled, not because of what the world says, but privileged because you've been adopted into the family of God, ready to serve because you've been adopted into the family of God, ready to be unified because you've been adopted into the family of God. Those are two vastly different things, aren't they? They're two incredibly different concepts. And it all comes back to one thing, our attitude. It's how we think, how we process our lives, and how we process our place in the kingdom. You and I are children of God. We're heirs of the royal throne, and we have all of the advantages that go with that. That's going to grow our faith. That's going to bring purpose to our faith. That's going to allow us to live life without a net. Not the entitlements that the world says we should have. My prayer and my challenge is that you and I would be people, that we would be a church that seeks out those things and that we reject the other things, that we make room in our lives to find out what it means to, to have that spiritual suffering, spiritual significance and spiritual servanthood because we're children of the king. There's so much freedom in that. There's so much to rejoice about in that. And I hope if you're here today and you've never accepted Jesus as your Savior, that you would say, hey, I want to be a part of that family. I want that inheritance. I want those things to take advantage of in my life. Would you pray with me? Father God, thank you so much for your word and the encouragement that when we reject the entitlements that the world tells us, the things that we, we, we hear every day that we should take advantage of, that we should put our hope in, that we should put our trust in, that these things will provide, that these things will take care of us, that they'll give us a leg up and an edge. God, I pray that you would help us right now, that your Holy Spirit would lead in each one of our lives to get to a place where we, we, we reject those things so that we can make room for those spiritual advantages that you so desire for each one of us so that we can live that, we can live that abundant life that you talk about. God, so that we can really bring purpose to our faith so that we can live our lives, whether it's in business or in in school, in a classroom, God, at home, God, in our communities, really understanding life without a net, our faith having purpose, and our faith being incredibly intentional. God, help us, help our faith to grow in this regard. Help us to boldly and courageously reject those things that we may be seeking after so that we can seek after something that is so much better. And that is us having the freedom and no more fear because we're, we're children of you. Father God, I pray right now for those who may be in this room and they don't know you yet as their Savior. If you're here today, um, the Word of God, 1 John says that if we confess our sins we believe in our heart that Jesus rose from the dead, we will be saved. So if you're here today and you've heard and maybe seen or God, or maybe some, something that God is kind of reaching out to you with right now and say, man, I want to be a part of that family. God doesn't make it hard. He doesn't make it difficult. He says, just believe. 
confess your sins and believe in me and you can be adopted just like I am just like so many of us in this room are you can be adopted into that family of God as well if you're here today and you've never put your faith in Jesus I want to encourage you to do that right now I'm going to pray a prayer out loud and um, if you've never done that you can just pray it in your heart silently um, to God He, he hears you it's a prayer that goes like this God thank you for sending Jesus to die for me today I admit that um, I have flaws that keep me from you and I confess that and I accept you Jesus as my Savior if you prayed that short prayer with me in silence in this room with every head bowed and every eye closed and I won't embarrass you I promise but if you would just lift your hand so that I can silently pray for you Jesus, lift your hand. Anyone else this morning? God, I thank you for those who said yes to you today. God, and right now, they're adopted into your family. Right now, they have all the advantages. God, all the things that make them children of you adopted. You chose them. Oh, man, that's awesome. God, I pray that they would walk in that freedom, that we would walk in that freedom, no longer slaves, God, but walking in the freedom that you gave us through Jesus. We pray all of this in his name.